Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, welcome back to the death lineup. Brian and I took the week off. We just couldn't figure out how to record last week because our normal Thursday was on Thanksgiving. So we couldn't fit it in, but we're back and we're bringing in a special guest here. Brian Zillum from the Mavs Moneyball SB Nation website here. We wanted to do this before the Mavs game to preview the Mavs Warriors and then unfortunately for us, the Mavs won. So now we have to talk about this game after the fact that we lost this game. But no, mostly we're. I want to talk about the Mavs in general because, you know, the Warriors and the Mavericks have a, a similar issue in that they kind of started slow and, and record-wise. They're both a bit average right now. But uh, give me your 20-game review so far of... The team, uh, how the team has changed since last year, obviously losing Brunson, picking up Wood, and just kind of like your your big picture thoughts on are, are we headed towards a, a, a good next 20? Are you worried? Like that whole thing. I mean, you would think I would be over the moon because Luca is playing at a phenomenal MVP top five level, but... It's funny because one of the assistant editors of Mass Moneyball, uh, Josh Bowe, actually wrote an excellent article uh, basically highlighting this team is like made for discourse because the games that are really good, they're good. But then when they're bad, they will lose to the Houston Rockets. And it's just <laughs> like, what are we doing? Because currently, um, as recording, they're actually playing the Pistons. They're actually down one at halftime, um, which is really weird. But um, Brian's baby Pistons there. <laughs> <laughs> so they are actually one and seven on the road, and they've had so many weird games this season. So in a way, the Warriors and Mavs are kind of the Spider-Man memes, but in different ways. Yeah. Because like with the Warriors, I know the starting unit has stunk for you guys and then you're you're having the whole thing with the wise men and trying to figure out mooting it and all the young guys but with the Mavs like when Luke is in it's great but then like when Luke is not in freaking team falls apart and then where in a microcosm Brunson not being there obviously is devastating because really other than Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie no one can physically dribble the basketball on this Mavericks team they'll try to throw out Josh Green, maybe occasionally Tim Hardaway. 
they rec- uh, they recently signed uh, very wash Kimba Walker, which <laughs> okay, his knee he literally just had stem cell injections on his knee uh, about two years ago, so I can't really see that bolding well for his career. They envision maybe getting eight to ten minutes a game, but with Jason Kidd, his odd pedantic. Um, playing like earning you have to earn playing time and you have to play defense so i'm just trying to process how does that fit into your scheme because he's having this weird uh tough love strategy with christian wood which if you look at the numbers christian wood is effectively their second best offensive player but jason kidd refuses to start him because he says oh well he has to earn the minutes and we've got all these talented bigs that that's why they had to waste uh 15 million dollars on um McGee, um, just because, you know, the Warriors, uh, you know, uh, Looney ended, uh, you know, Looney implanted the seed in uh, the front office. Oh, we got to get bigger. And it's like, no, we actually don't need to waste $15 million on a big that doesn't even play. And it's impressive because the minutes McGee is in, he, he'll play eight minutes and somehow he's a minus 10, which is like <laughs> impressive. Like he's just very, very bad. You know what's interesting? I forgot that. JaVale was on that team. Yes. Because there goes one of my questions. Well, well, the Warriors would probably take JaVale at this point. They would probably take JaVale off your hands. And here's why. If you go back to the, uh, when was the last year he was with us? 2019? Or the year before. Whatever, Whatever that year was, he would play the same minutes that you're saying. He would get that eight to 10 minutes. And they would just have him rim run and he'd get two alley-oop dunks. He'd foul about five times and then he'd be out of the game, but they were highly efficient shots because they didn't expect anything out of him. Literally just to run the court, beat the other big down the floor and catch a lob. Well, I, I think that that sounds good in theory, Gary, but like there was a possession or, you know, there with a, Within a minute, I, I believe this is actually when the Mavericks played Brooklyn, uh, one of their earlier games this season. He essentially gave up five points in forty-five seconds. That's, <laughs> that's impressive. Like, there, how- I mean, there's also a reason why he was like he's like the best person ever on Shacked into Fool at the oh, same time. Like for sure, the same guy. <laughs> so you have to remember. So he was early thirties. He is now older and just a tad slower. So with your, the Warriors defensive kind of woes that they've had, I don't know if he's a beneficial because right now it's either DeAndre Hunter or, or DeAndre Jordan or JaVel McGee, like the worst centers actually getting minutes in the league. I, I don't know how either of them are getting minutes uh, in an NBA squad right now, but they are. So, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, Matt, and it's funny because with the Mavericks, I, the idea was like, oh, you know, we're going to re-sign Jalen Brunson. That obviously didn't happen. He That seemed go- like it had like no chance of happening. Like the first <sighs> second he was out. Well, you know, the, the family ties, the family ties yeah, in exactly. New York. Exactly. Well, and the, the problem is with that, the, the Mavericks were, you know, they were humming and hawing and they didn't want to sign the extension. And by the time they offered the extension, he blew up and he was like, no. I'm good. And they were the Mavericks in their own Maverick way. They were just like, oh, my God, we can swindle him, get him cheap, and then try to, you know, put him in a deal. That's like the the mindset of the front office. But then they the Mavericks basically lost him for nothing. 
And then with Christian Wood, they basically gave a first round pick and, you know, spare parts to get him. But the thing about Christian Wood, if the Mavericks don't essentially re-sign him or trade him, they lose all these assets for nothing when it's like awesome front mm-hmm. office, like way to go. And I think that's been the biggest contention. I don't know if I, either one of you follow like Mavs, like Twitter, except myself, but that's been kind of like the biggest boiling point for a lot of the staffers that have Mavs Moneyball. Like we have this precious like generational talent and they effectively have not done a good job at all building around him. And it's like, guys, why are you making this so hard? And, you know, the Porzingis thing, it sucks. It didn't work out right. Like I, a lot of people say, you know, why did they even do it? I understand it to a degree. Would I have given up all the first round picks? Probably not. But I, I was uh, a believer of D, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and Luca never working. So it made sense. And now they have to kind of sit on their hands uh, a lot a lot of like the mentality this year they you know they just have to take their lumps this year because they, they don't have any flexibility cap wise Luca just that fresh big money deal is dry it's a, official on the cap now and they can't really make any trades until they relinquish the last pick uh for the Przingis deal which they could it'll forego after this draft and then they'll have three draft picks to utilize so their asset management has been very it's been piss poor, like pretty much ever since they've got Luca. They gave up Harrison Barnes, former Golden State Warriors, for nothing because they were just trying to chase that uh, Giannis dream, which we knew wasn't going to happen. So, just a lot of questions with the front office. I'm not a fan of Jason Kidd. Like, I, I'm just not. He has this weird habit of he. So, number one, he he run so. We went from Rick Carlisle, who was very a micromanager, mm-hmm. to like the polar opposite where it's like kid doesn't run any sets he never calls any timeouts where it's just like geez like i want something a little bit in the middle where it's like because lucas is out there just doing stuff sometimes can can i give you can i give you a little bit of an analogy for yeah go for it i i think kid coaches luca like he probably wishes he was coach right like i'm the floor leader i'm the smartest player on the court let me hand let me manage and let me do my thing. And he probably thinks that's the best way for them to win. Because that game, now, you know, you know, here's here's a comparison for you. The Warriors' first championship when they beat Cleveland. So Cleveland loses Kyrie in game one. And then I think they lose Kevin Love. The series as, before. Mm-hmm. Kevin Love. Kevin, yeah, went Ke- out Kevin Love got his a shoulder messed up. And so it became LeBron and a bunch of dudes. That Cavs team in that finals played exactly the way that Luca plays. Like it's very ball dominant, slow the game down, and you trust your best player to make the one necessary play to get the bucket, whether it's the scoring or the or the open shot. And so it's very reminiscent of that 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 uh, that series. And I guess the the question is is can do do you or does do do the Dallas hardcores believe that you guys can duplicate what you did last year with the same unit, get to the Western conference finals uh, or even better, right? Like, cause that's kind of the thing is you want to continue to, to grow and, and get further. Now the warriors are not the same warriors of last year. I mean, we're looking at Phoenix uh, kind of being uh, the lead dog in the West. 
do do the fans think that Dallas can actually get there because Luke is having this Superman season? <sighs> Man, I, I think it's kind of like a mixed bag right now, to be honest. I I initially projected the Mavs actually to finish worse than they did last year as far as seating wise. I, I initially projected them to lose in the first round to the Clippers just because I don't like this team's depth at all. And really right now, if you look at the advanced stats, the Mavericks are actually like one of the worst in the league in shooting twos because mm. their offense right now currently is like you're either, if they don't hit their threes, uh, they're in trouble. They're in, they're in big trouble. And I know we'll go more into the game on Tuesday here in a little bit, but their offense right now is all perimeter based or Luca save us and go to the rim and get fouled. That's pretty much their offense. And, you know, Luca right now is not even shooting that good of a percentage from the uh, charity stripe. I think he's only around like he's, it's not even 80%. So we're leaving points on the board there. So, and they're getting killed on the offensive class too, where they're just giving up all these extra possessions. So they're paying, they're playing so slow it actually benefits the other team because if they're uh, playing so slow and they chunk up a three, they miss the other teams run into the other side. And a lot of the times, a lot, you know, most of these teams are comfortable hitting mid rangers. And that was like the biggest thing losing Jalen Brunson, because when the offense was fluttering, Jalen would go in there, handle, he would write, you know, like guys, I've got this, let me go in the print, like mid range, like, the Mavericks do not are they're like afraid to dribble the ball like past the three point line. If like they're just like they will pass up a, a, an easy layup and just go for like oh I don't want to do that it's not a three so it's very frustrating on how the offense has like worked its way out this season it's like and especially since the Mavericks have lost so many weird games like opening night they blew a seventeen point lead. Um, you know, the game against the Warriors, they were up 17 to 18 in the first quarter, which I was like, oh, God, I hate these leads in the first quarter. They're just not um, <laughs> very good at all. I, the Mavericks ended up blowing a 16-point lead with four minutes left to Oklahoma City, and OKC forced uh, overtime to beat the Mavericks, which is like, what are we doing? And then you look at all their losses. Teams have had missing parts like critical parts and for the most part maxi kleba has missed some games here and there the mavericks relatively speaking have been 100 percent healthy the entire season so it's like you don't have because last year they had uh their sync with covid which like uh, like is understandable with their kind of like slow start which you don't really have any excuses you have this super sane playing for your team and you're still like farting around and losing the teams like the Houston Rockets or the Denver Nuggets when they don't have um, Joker or like Murray playing. It's like super frustrating. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a question. So like when I'm when I'm looking at guys like Luca and like LeBron, guys who can be your your best scorer and also your best passer. Um, I would just want to surround those guys with three and D players. And I feel like the Mavericks have done that. Where you look at. Reggie Bullock, you look at Hardaway Jr. Like these guys can actually hit threes. Um, but I, I know that, you know, they said it on the broadcast a lot last night that they don't, they weren't really hitting um, threes all season. But I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, you you said that they haven't really, well, I guess the main narrative is they haven't really paired Luca with the second star, but after his first year, they go get Porzingis. So do you think that the front office might be a little hesitant to package all the picks to go do it again because they're basically saying like look we already tried and it didn't work or 
do you think like who, I guess who would be your second star the ideally type of player that you'd want to pair Luca with because you're saying that what the picks open up again next year yeah um well Brian they don't really have much of a choice because they they have one more swing to make and if let's say the Mavericks underperform this year and don't get out of the first round then people in Dallas are really gonna like they're gonna start getting scared just because you know how that pendulum swings with these young superstars where they want to win. And, you know, relatively speaking, Luca's been pretty like chill on stuff. There hasn't been any like weird, like, Oh my God, like Dame Lillard type of comments. So he's content, but I think a lot of people forget he's not Dirk. Dirk isn't like Luca's not Dirk. Luca's not like hanging out here for 20 years. That's, that's not happening. So they've got one more chance to go do something. And that and that, that's it. That that's the move because the way this team is right now, they can't they're they're not very good scouting anyway, but they don't have time to draft a guy in the first round and sit there and develop with Luca. Like it's just mm-hmm. they they don't have that precious time and I guess that's in a way like the Warriors are kind of struggling with a little bit um, as well, kind of like trying to figure out placement with Ludin and Wiseman. It's really hard to kind of do both at the same time. Like you could maybe try to do it like with one kind of like three and D type player. But when you're trying to do that with like potentially multiple guys, it's really hard. And then when you have these superstars, it's like, like you want to give them their TLC, but then it's like, you can't be like messing around on these games because like the West is wide open. Because you yeah. you only have so many five or six games mulligans throughout the season. It's like, damn, what, like how did we lose to Dallas? Like I really wish we had that one back. We'd have home court. It's so that's a strategy. As far as like who, I mean, obviously you would love like a Drew Holiday, Herb Jones, like those type of guys. But the thing is, like um, a lot of like the Mavericks uh, people say, oh, you know, we're waiting for that Drew Holiday trade. I don't Drew Holidays don't grow on trees and that that's the problem. And then effectively the way the NBA trade market is because of the you know the Minnesota trade they that they uh Utah made with Gobert, it's inflated right now. So you're paying three draft picks, you might not be even getting like a third you might get like a top three, like four player, but is it gonna be like that Robin potential, like that Drew Holiday, which you would want, mm-hmm. but Teams are going to covet those players. Like, like a team like Milwaukee would just not give that player away. Like, so yeah. it would have to be one of those situations where, like, uh, you know, a Bradley Bill does he want out or something like that? I, I don't. I wouldn't even really want Bradley Bill. I would be more comfortable like with a d- defensive minded player that can dribble a little bit more. That's like sh- selfish. Just because, like, you look at what the freaking Pelicans have. They've got all these plethora of three and d guys it's like geez man what are you guys doing and you th- there's players like that out there it's just the the mavericks front office as far as like a scouting unit they just don't really do the work because i see all these guys i don't know if you guys are familiar with uh kenny lofton jr he's mm-hmm. actually on the grizzlies g league team and he's the second leading scorer in the g league actually behind jalen hardy um or Jaden hardy i'm sorry who who the mavericks actually got in the second round he's bombing 40 30 points uh a game in the g league and a lot of dallas fans are advocating oh we got to give it him in there but the thing is um you know 
Jordan, you've got the Warriors have had success with Jordan Poole, right? So everybody thinks, you know, that's going to equivalent like, oh, everybody, that'll work out fine for everybody. But the thing is, with, with Jaden Hardy, he's scoring 40 points a game right now, or, or I think it's like close to 30. He's he's bombed 40 points here and there the past couple of weeks. But his playing time is going to be valued. Okay, did he make the two or three shots he made? And is that really worth putting him on the floor when mm-hmm. the Mavericks are in this win-now mode? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, it, well, I was going to say, if you guys decided to go big game hunting, whether it's this year or next year, there are two stars who may very well be available in Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. Um, I, you know, Anthony Davis is not a high usage guy. He's a power forward, so he doesn't get to handle the ball. Uh, Ke- Kevin Durant is a little bit more of a high usage guy, but still, he he can play without the basketball because the problem is, is you don't want Luca to really have to change his game too much around the next player coming in. So you want to find someone who's complimentary, but also excellent at a lot of things. Those two guys kind of come to mind when I think of, you know, if they really wanted to swing for the fences, like those would be two guys to chase. And then you get one of those two guys, you know, Davis has his injury stuff that you will have that, that just comes with him, man, you guys are all of a sudden elevated. Now, what would you have to give up? Obviously talking about the future, mortgaging the future, but could you see them ever go big game hunting like that? I mean, it, it's potential. I'm just a little squeamish on a big, uh, Garrett, especially with uh, Davis's uh, injury history, just because we're coming off uh, Porzingis. Uh, we're bringing in uh, Noni's Kimba Walker. So <laughs> ideally, I would want it specifically just to be a wing, which it's not potentially available. I mean, obviously Durant. The asking price, uh, I mean, yeah, after next year, Dallas could offer three first-round picks and Josh Green. I just don't think that's enough. I I, mm. I look at what a team like New Orleans could offer or, you know, even Utah or Cleveland. You know, these teams have like two to three draft picks and functional assets that they can uh, add as sweeteners. I mean, yeah, you could do pick swaps and stuff like that. So if – let's say Brooklyn thinks, okay, if we trade Durant now, is it like, could something happen and Dallas could just fall apart and stink in two or three years? Yeah, maybe it's a possibility, but I mean, if you're asking me, would I rather have Durant or Anthony Davis? Yeah, I I would go, you know, Durant all day. And even, you know, KD to a degree kind of makes me squeamish a little bit just because of obviously his injuries, like just, like, is he going to be able to be okay if he has one more leg injury? It's just, a, that's a lot of scary stuff to weigh on. And then it's like, okay, we're back at square one and we absolutely have no assets at all now. So we're like, but yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. much the situation they're going to be into going forward because they have to be careful on what they do because this is it. This is the final mulligan. Yeah, I feel like whatever like the Jalen Brown equivalent is, maybe like two steps below, that'd be perfect. Yeah, like lovely stuff. I mean, if we could get Jalen Brown in uh, Dallas, that would be fantastic. Just someone like that. But again, those guys just don't grow on trees. I mean, the upcoming draft class is supposed to have a lot of kiddos. It just I I don't know if the Mavericks are going to be able to get their hands on any of these guys that could be potentially like productive in a couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, isn't that like a... so? You know, you mentioned that Spencer Dinwiddie and Luka Doncic are like the only players who can remotely like dribble the ball on the offense. Yeah. And that kind of brings up like Jaden Hardy, who's killing it in the G League right now, second round pick. And, you know, you mentioned like 
well, the Mavericks, you know, when they put him in for those three minutes, how many shots does he make? That's kind of what you're looking at. But almost like, why wouldn't they just throw him in there to try and build him as a sweetener of a deal? You know, like just build his his trade um, value so you can include him and Josh Green. And that makes a, a deal look way better. Because if you look at like the Portland right now with with Shaden Sharp mm-hmm. getting all these playing time because Gary Payton too is GP2 is like out. Yep. Like I'm almost like, Shaden Sharp can like be a real good asset in a deal. And I feel like that's just because he's getting playing time. Like he's able to go through the bumps and bruises on a team that's still winning, losing as of late. But you know, that, that why, why I, I guess why wouldn't they just, cause they did it with Josh Green too, right? Josh Green didn't really get those immediate minutes. He's finally from what it seems like from the outside looking in is that he's starting to get more trust. He played and well a lot more playing time. He played really well against yeah. the Warriors. Well, Brian, it's also taking Josh Green a year and a half to get Jason kids trust. And that's like that's the problem. And then yeah. another thing with rookies, the Mavericks don't run sets. And you know, generally speaking, unless you've got, let's say, you know, like a burner like uh, Ivy, like the Pistons have, like that guy's a freaking flash. Like you can only do so much like rec league ball with a lot of these guys because, to a degree, it's okay to have structure, like set, like set up something for these guys so they know what they're doing because with kid he is so in his ways where if you mess up that one defensive play like you're not playing the rest of the game so it's you like exactly what you said brian it makes totally sense to build up their equity but if kid is going to be so stubborn because like we can't rebuild up christian woods like stock at all because there's (laughs) games where kid doesn't play him or like you know he's at our let's say he doesn't plan, but doesn't he won't start him. And the, it's, it's been a struggle to get Christian Wood more than 30 minutes a game. It's like, what are we doing here? Now, D- Christian Wood's defense has been spotty, but he's also been in these weird lineups where it's like Dwight Powell, Davis Bertans, who has no knees at all, where it's like, come on, like put him in like a with a better defensive unit and see what he can do. But yeah, Josh Green on the fourth quarter on uh, Tuesday, phenomenal. I, I could not believe Luca got that um, – pass to him which was just crazy and i think he also made this insane jump past the maxi cleva i think that was also in the fourth quarter as well mm-hmm. i feel like if we if we like go to this past game and i admittedly haven't seen as much mavericks basketball this year i think i only watched that one pelicans game that was maybe on tnt or espn one of the two mm-hmm. um also and it's like game. Yeah. <laughs> and so like me not watching many much Mavericks, I don't know how much Warriors you're able to watch, but if I'm a ba- if I'm basing my opinions off of one game, which obviously is just not the correct answer here, but if I am like I would say the shooters look amazing. Christian Wood looked like crud in my opinion against that game. I feel every, like the Warriors... every time he took a jump shot, I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, so just... I was like thank you Jesus. Well, it's funny because that was the first game Tim Hardaway was actually functional because there was like this period where he was in a bad way, where he was in the stretch for about three or four games. He was like 0 for 15, something crazy from uh, three. So that was like the game he finally decided to come out of a shell. Uh, You know, Reggie Bullock has been bad, but he also started slow last year. I, I believe in Reggie. I feel like he can get out there. But also, a lot of people don't remember... Like, if you go back and look at these stats, um, I think they're out there. But Dorian Vinney-Smith and Reggie Bullock were, like, accumulated the most miles in, like, the NBA, like, in the NBA playoffs, like, compared to anybody else. So, 
a part of me wonders like, God, are these guys already thrashed because <laughs> they just were ran. They were so good in the playoffs and, you know, especially in that sun series, like they, and it's weird because you look at their movements. Now they're not doing the same stuff that they were doing like earlier in season. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like what happened? Like, not because I, I've heard the excuse, oh, we're trying to like integrate new players. I'm just like, no, we're not. Like, we have like one new player in McGee. So, like, these are bigs that don't really have any like ultimate, they, they're not dribbling the ball. They're not a catch and shoot guys. So, I don't really understand how that makes any sense. So, the scheme hasn't really changed. Now, one of their assistant coaches that uh, drew up a lot of plays, he's now in Brooklyn. So that's obviously hurt a little bit on the strategy standpoint, but the the Mavericks as a unit have not changed other than, you know, losing Brunson. But like fundamentally, the scheme should still be the same. Like Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of switching. They're getting absolutely just drummed on the boards as well, where there's a lot of standing around. And, you know, with Luca, there will be those moments where he'll throw up a shot and he'll look around, expect a foul and then just, (laughs) <laughs> you know he'll give up that transition uh you know play just because he's mad um you know he's got his sheriff's tees um i feel like he's hopefully will eventually get better with that but uh a lot of uh you know people who follow stats um within ringer i, I read a lot of stuff on him thinking oh well the mavericks will buck this trend eventually but it's like Brother, we're we're 20 games in. We got to start bucking, or we're absolutely <laughs> we're going to get bucked out of the playoffs at this point, just because the the, the West is wide open, fellas, and that's the thing. Agreed, 100. Uh, percent That that's why a lot of Mavs fans are very you know upset about what's going on because it's funny. Of course, the Mavericks are down seven in Detroit right now. Which <laughs> like, how do you like? It, it, it it's very frustrating that they're real. They're, they're willing to rise up for Steph Curry. Or like, you know, there's these weird quirks where it was the Warriors and it was the Mavericks were wearing their city jerseys. So I was like, okay, Luca's going to be an asshole mode tonight where it's like, okay, we got, we got this. Where it's like, but if you look up the stats, those games where Luca doesn't score at least like 25 points, the Mavericks have lost each game where it's like, guys, like we got to stop doing this. And I'm pressure. Just, I know I'm going on, so I'm sorry if I'm throwing off y'all's no, just, I got I, I got one more thing, Brian. If do you have one more thing you want to add on? Just right now? really quick, like just to back up my Pistons just for a second here. They don't really get, <laughs> they don't really get blown out that much. Wait, like just, I just saw the Knicks the other day. Okay, <laughs> they, they, beat, like they beat the fully points. healthy. They beat the fully healthy Nuggets. They beat they almost fully healthy Utah Jazz. Like they just kind of they kind of stick in a game, and then you know five times they'll win it, and then the other twenty times they'll lose it. That yeah. game, that Detroit game against the Knicks was so bad. The inside the NBA guys just did it in fast forward, yes. and they did the little the little song. And Shaq says, "Kenny has Kenny do the the Benny Hill song or whatever." Uh, that was bad. So I think Ivy's hurt. I'll, yeah. I'll pin it to that. And then Cade's obviously not. All bad. right, so I got I one more question, and then I'll show I'll sh- for for the YouTube folks. This will be better, but I'll show a couple of photos that that Brian uh, both Brian's will will enjoy relating to this Dallas team. Uh, okay, so last thing we mentioned for, at the beginning that. The Warriors and the Mavericks, like numbers wise, crappy away teams, yes. great home teams, but their style of play is vastly different. The Mavs, uh, I think, are 
uh, last in the league in pace, and the Warriors are second just to the to the Lakers. The Lakers really play pay at that fast of a pace. I guess when LeBron's out, that's all they can do is run. <laughs> but um, that style of, of NBA, where you know it's all about pace, pace, pace. You want to get as much shots as possible. You want to create as many opportunities as possible. You want to speed up the game. And Dallas has gone the other way. Like, again, my comparison to that 2015 Cavs team, it is almost uh, an era b- behind in basketball, the way that you guys play, a very dominant, dominant guy. Ultimately, do you think that you guys can can win? Because Luka was great against the Warriors in the conference finals, too. And I think the, the difference in in that series was just the Warriors had a couple of other guys who would step up and the, the Mavs were relying on guys who would be sort of good one game, then bad the next game and weren't able to be consistent. Um, but can you guys win like that? Can you guys get to the NBA finals playing that kind of basketball? No, I don't think so. Uh, I could see right now, based on this roster, they could definitely win a series with, with uh, Luca doing his thing. But at some point, you're going to run into a squad that has, you know, kind of similar to the Warriors where they were just clicking. They've got all these different wings, uh, movable people that can switch, like, you know, Draymond and Wiggins. Or, and then, you know, Peyton, they they were all great throughout the, uh, you know, conference finals. And then the when Luka is getting, like, doubled and triple teamed and he's not getting his calls – how is he going to do just because the, uh, I wanted to just share this story real quick, you know, or a, a few weeks back, there was this, you know, Jason Kidd was worried that Luca may not make it to uh, the Christmas at this point because his usage is so high, but it's like, you're the one playing in 45 yeah. minutes yeah. a game. Yeah. So to what you were saying, yes, the Mavericks are p- playing the slowest in the league, but Lucas also his minutes are like up there. Yeah. He's like 37 minutes a game. And and that's like my biggest worry just because yeah, they're slow. um, If I could use a Michael Coleism for our wrestling fans out there, slow and methodical, but (laughs) if he's effectively playing like five or six minutes more than Steph or clay, is that really worth it? And just because the offense will just be a sludge. I mean, when Luke is in his bag, he hasn't really, the only thing he hasn't done this season is make his threes. He's yeah. starting to kind of gradually do that. I mean, when he's making his threes, like, good luck. I mean, like, I, I feel bad whoever has to guard him. So effectively, if he has to, you know, score 50 game or, you know, 50 points a game in a playoff series, I don't really feel great about that. Um, but I, they could easily win a series. I just don't think that right now with this current roster, there you know there's no upward mobility because you look at even like with the Warriors to a degree, there's always roster turnover with the Warriors, right? They're always looking to pick up new guys, different people, stuff like that. Effectively, you know, Dwight Powell's been with the Mavericks for a decade. It's like, God, man, like we can't really look at anything different. And you know, the front office wise, the Mavericks are kind of mess anyway. But it's just like. Why can't we like shake up the roster? Because like roster shakeup is okay, even if you have like star players. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll end it with this, which is, um, you know, Charles Barkley is not the sh- guy who you look to for NBA strategy these days. He he's very old school, but he made a, a a very a very good point after the game on Tuesday night, in which the Mavericks won. He said that his realization coming out of that game is 
Luca scores in uh, such a difficult fashion, and the Warriors are able to create open shots because of the style of play, because of the plays that they run. And so if those easy shots that the Warriors get, the Mavs aren't getting those, and that could be sort of a difference in in, in a close game. Uh, so I thought that was that was a, a really good point. And then the last thing is, is I'm no Mavericks fan. I, um, you know, I, 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 am, I come from the, the, uh, the DNA of the, we believe warriors, obviously that was, uh, not a happy time for, for the Mavericks, but no. you guys did get your championship. And I, and, and I just hope, you know, Mark Cuban, rich guy owner also, you know, really sort of advanced in, in, in basketball, uh, back in the day with the analytics and stuff. He needs to take a shot, man. You the the fact that you guys don't have uh, or aren't able to to bring a second guy next to uh, next next to Luca, and it, it may happen to through free agency. We talked about Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is a free agent after this year, so it, it's time to chase because you don't want to waste Luca's uh, Luca's prime. And and I know he's there for five more years. I think his contract kicked in this year, but. You know how the NBA works, where guys get frustrated and they they try and get out, and their agents try and get them out. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Luca, but you know, you also have to make that that star happy at the same time. Yeah, and I, right. I, I, I was going to say, Garrett, like with Cuban overall, he's not been willing to be comfortable paying the luxury tax. Like you know, like the example of the Warriors, there's been this running gag for you know over a decade since the Mavericks won the title, like uh, plant. Uh, keep the powder dry. That's been Cuban, like that floated out there. And that makes me cringe every time I, I hear it. And it's like, ever since the Mavericks won that playoff, or you know, I'm sorry, won the title, Cuban's uh, thought process has been like, oh, I'm I'm going to outsmart everybody, get ahead of these analytics, um, you know, the CBA, like I know what I'm doing, but it's like, it's Groundhog Day. Every offseason, we're doing the exact same thing. And Somehow they lucked into this generational superstar, and it's like, God, you're potentially going to F this up because you have not learned from your lessons from a decade ago. All right, so now I'll share these photos. The first one is when I played fake pickup with JaVale McGee. What? We did something for Next Door for my company Next Door, and JaVale came out to shoot some photos and stuff and we were he was kind of by himself shooting threes from the corner and like missing most of them uh, <laughs> but we, but we did get to like play around with him and and play play a little pickup is that the court is that the court in mission bay yes interesting oh i i'm i walk by that court all the time yes it was it was it was fun it was, it was back when i could actually get up and down the court which is not happening very much these days all right second one is this is probably this picture is probably like seven years old. I, think I know which point. one. Yeah, <laughs> J Kid, baby. J Kid nice. came into our office. He knows uh, one of my co-founders, one of my co-co-founders, very well, and uh, he came in to hang out. This was before. Uh, this would have been before he even went back to the Lakers because I know yeah, he was. He got the Bucks thing on. Yeah, so he was. Uh, he was. Yeah, I think he would. He was just out at Milwaukee, or he was close to being out at Milwaukee because I know he was trying to go back to Cal and do some stuff with, with the with the college and and such. But yeah, so he came by the office and he wanted. Uh, we had a little mini hoop, like a little plastic toy hoop, 
in, in our office and he's like, let's take a picture. And I'm like, all right. Like, I just wanted like the homies, like the homie picture with him. He's like, how about you pretend like you're dunking on me? I was like, no, I, I don't <laughs> want to dunk on Jason Kidd. I just want to be like, pretend like we're friends. Uh, <laughs> dang. All right. Hey, hey, Brian, uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. And uh, look, if the Warriors play the Mavericks again in the playoffs, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but I don't know. We're both kind of vying for the same spots right now. We got to move up some slots in order to play each other again. Yeah. Like, let, let's just, like, get above 500. Like, that's <laughs> the goal for both teams. Let's yeah. get above there 500. You there you go. All right. Thanks to uh, to Brian Zillam. And you can find him uh, at Brian Zillam on Twitter and read his Mavs stuff on MavsMoneyBall.com. He wrote the preview for today's game in which – are the Mavs still losing? <laughs> the Mavs are actually down double digits. Oh, no. <laughs> it's Killian uh, Hayes game? Just, <laughs> what's that? I got to check my fantasy. I got Killian Hayes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somehow on. the Mavericks are now do- down double digits going into the fourth quarter. And then fourth quarters, that's where Luca always gets his rest. But watch Kid just play him the entire time. So oh, good man. stuff. All right, Brian. Oh, thanks a lot. game. Okay, take care. Later. All right, Brian. I had so many more questions. <laughs> you had more questions? You had more. I had way yeah, more. You, you, you were there with the you've been you've been checking out your Mavs and reading up on your Mavs. I, the Mavs are a very interesting team. I, I mean, like you're on the other side of Luca. It's not fun. I just remember that in the Western Conference Finals, like it seemed like a focal point for us. Not it seemed like it was pretty it was you could totally un- see it in real time was that we were just like miles uh, Powell and Kleba cannot block our shots. Yep. We're just going to attack you every single time. So that's what I thought the idea with getting JaVale McGee was it's like, okay, we have an option to at least stop deter teams from attacking us, but now he's got not getting minutes. So I'm just wondering, it's just like the same old team. Well, essentially. Yeah. It, it's the same old team, except for they have Christian when they don't have Brunson. And uh, I don't know. I feel like the Warriors could still figure something out for JaVale for, you know, whatever the Wiseman minutes were at this point. But I don't know if yeah. I don't know if they, they would change the way that they're doing it now because they figured out how to use Draymond and and Looney apart and together. And that kind of takes up all the center minutes. But I do get worried that Draymond is playing probably more center than they want him to play. And then, you know, that could cause that was yeah that was my th- that was my thing in the beginning of the year i just didn't want him playing that much backup five him and jamichael green because when you're playing small ball five and these bigs are just backing you down every single possession that takes a toll and you saw it with draymond last year with his back yeah so yeah i think that it's like a calf thing and then a back and then thing. it turned into a back yeah, yeah i think that's that's definitely because of playing small ball five i would be con- i'm convinced all right so the last time we recorded they were under 500 and now they are exactly 500 at 11 and 11. I think they're eight and four in their last 12 games. Their defensive metrics are, are coming back up. Uh, still, the defensive metrics aren't fantastic. Uh, offensive rating, the Warriors are uh, eighth in the NBA. Uh, defensive rating, they are 21st in the NBA. So they still have some some work to do there, but but this, the analytics and the statistics are actually looking better in these these last 10 to 12 games uh eye test wise does it seem to you that they have figured some things out and are sort of on that trajectory back to being the the team who who we expected them to be or do you still see some holes there in in the armor i think that i thought what was interesting against the mavericks game 
is that one, the starters kind of sucked, right? It was like the bench that was like completely being better than they ever have. Um, but I think what's what's stopping me from saying like, oh, I totally think they're on the right trajectory was that I think it was the third quarter or the second quarter. Like you look at the foul count. It just looked like the early beginning of the year, how they would just foul too much and make dumb fouls. Um, so I think if probably if they win last night or not, was it last night or two nights ago? Tuesday. Two nights ago, huh? Two nights ago. If they'd win that and then they don't have those stupid fouls, like I'd be much more confident in saying, yeah, second seed, third seed. But I think there's still a couple more things they need to figure out. And I obviously, I think Moses Moody uh, would be a big part of that because it seems like they've unlocked JK. Yes, Jonathan Kaminga has looked really good. And do you remember me saying that on the podcast or at least in our text thread? I was like, five games ago, I was like, do you guys see what this guy's doing in like five minutes? Like, get this guy playing time. Yeah, okay, but the 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 thing about it is is he's a young player. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. And, it, you know, he, he, he is going against his instincts to play in the way that he's playing. Like, you could see mm-hmm. when he gets the ball, he's thinking, oh, I want to go to the hole. And then he's got to remind himself, no, I got to do, you know, I got to do this and that. And, like, he's learning it and He's so young that I, I, I enjoy, like you, I enjoy watching him sort of have these, you know, oh, like this is how it happens. And he's been, he was really good in that Dallas game. Now he did miss three free throws that possibly could have helped him get a little closer. Uh, but, you know, the thing ultimately, the more minutes he gets means the more trust that he has with his coaches. And, you know, he Brian just talked about kids trust factor here. Like, you know, if you listen to plus minus a uh, Warriors plus minus yesterday, they <laughs> were just like, yeah, like, you know, Steve Kerr says you cannot turn the ball over and you cannot foul. And if you do those things, you are out of the game. It's like, I'm not trying to turn the ball over. No, I'm not trying to foul. It doesn't matter. You didn't do what I said. You're out of the game. They, they said it like that to make it funny. But, you know, for young players, and they talked about this two-timeline thing, imagine if, uh, you know, if you were just... And this is kind of what happened to Steph. You probably don't remember this because you were so young, but uh, when Steph was a, a rookie and in his second year... Uh, I forget who the Warriors coach was at the time. It, 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 it'll 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 come to me. Uh, Don because Don Nelson drafted him. Don Nelson was gone a little while, but he he would have uh, whoever was Don Nelson's lead assistant. I think took over the team. And Steph was coming out of games in the fourth quarter, probably because he was um, turning like turning the ball over and committing fouls. And so imagine. If, you know, if they would have given Steph those reps back then and maybe he kicks it in, you know, sooner than that. So that that's that's something that I kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like, I get it. Like, we want these guys to understand and the way that they understand is you punish is a strong word, but you kind of give them reps when they're playing well and you take them away when when they're not. I I, I understand that. But if you don't have the patience for Moses Moody to make one or two mistakes and then he sits for five games, like what is that doing for his ability to help you down the line? Anthony Lamb 
is good for what they're doing, but I feel like in the second half of the season, these teams are going to be like, okay, we know exactly what Anthony Lamb is doing. We're going to stop it. Boom. He's not going to be helpful. We know how to guard. Like, it's just, you can just see that, that Moses Moody is so much more talented than Anthony Lamb. Uh, but not, that's not a discredit to Anthony Lamb because he's playing, he's playing solid. I wouldn't say he's playing well. But those are the things that really worry me is when you have these timelines, every second we take away from, from Moody and from Kaminga, that is uh, a lack of investment into their future. And I get why they're doing it. I get why they don't think that they can afford to do it. But at the same time, like how much are you killing these guys mentally and emotionally? And, you know, not, not that, I don't know if you can ruin a player, but uh, yeah. th- that's, that's the fear for me. And maybe, maybe it's just these guys, you know, maybe they're just going to be more mentally tough and, and they're going to get better. And, and this is all like going to be like a, a fun experiment that we look back on fondly, but that is my worry, especially yeah, and, with, and with those guys. Kawakami said it, I think it was him or Marcus was like, if you're, not developing and you're losing that's like the worst thing for this team <laughs> like that stretch of games where they lost against detroit lost against orlando lost against you start naming that road trip charlotte like, yeah like kaminga and moody weren't really getting minutes and that was like the epitome of you know you're not developing and you're not winning but at yeah. least you know coming is getting run now but I, I yeah i'm still i think i've said it every single podcast that i still don't get why moses isn't getting playing time because even if he has those mistakes it's still like important from all aspects of the game Moody at his best will be like your eighth best player on a, yeah. on a team. You know, like that's Moody. Yep, at his he's best, in the rotation. Right? He's in the rotation. Moody playing is ideally raising his trades value. If you decide to go that route, if you want to do all the young guys for the big name player. I'm so happy um, you mentioned trades, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think that I think that I I just think that Moody's got to play. I was actually talking with Jay. <laughs> when Kerr was saying that Moody was turning the ball over and it didn't feel like his turnover stats were that high. I think, I feel like Kerr was talking about, you know, when Moody goes on a drive and he's not really like the most skilled person, not the most skilled athlete, doesn't have the nicest touch around the rim, sometimes has flashes when he just kind of drives and goes up and he's like, Oh my God, what am I going to do now that I'm up here? Like, that's almost like a turnover him just like putting up a dumb shot or just getting blocked. Like that's like, I, I think that might be what Kerr's maybe alluding to, but I mean, when they drafted Moody and Kaminga, it was like, okay, Kaminga's the project, Moody's the pro-ready guy because he's like a three and D, doesn't really need to do much. And I just think it's very intriguing how that we kept flipping that narrative maybe like every 20 games last year. And then now it's like, it's back to Kaminga was the right, the ready guy and Moody's still like the project. Um, I'm just interested on how they're going to continue to tackle this because I think they're doing it wrong right now. That would be my take is they're doing it wrong. <clears throat> do you think there's going to be a story that comes out at some point where in the off season, whether it's coaching or whether it's somebody from the outside was like, Moses, here's what you need to do to take it into season two. A, you need to shoot more. B, you need to take it to the hole more. C, you need to look for yours. And he took that into this season because like you said, he was like the pro-ready guy and got run in these Western Conference Finals that we were talking to Brian about. And then he comes into this season, and he, like I thought in the preseason, I was like, ah, oh, he looks looks good. You know, he, he looks solid. He looks like he's ready to go. And like he's not the best athlete, like, like you said. But then very soon, 
we found out that something was not jiving with him and they haven't really said what it was other than Kawakami mentioning on the podcast that, you know, there's, there's some stuff that he does when it comes to, you know, not passing, not, not running the play correctly, not finding the guy, not moving the ball, kind of holding it for that extra split second, which screws everything up. Like, where does that come from? Because we didn't hear those things about him last year. So was it just a this year thing? Or is it like, oh, no, he should be way better at this than he is now. We cannot accept him being just as good as he was last year. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely I'd be right. We we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. So all we could do is speculate and guess. But I wouldn't be surprised if it is something like that because of how intricate the Warriors offense is, where it's like you still see like guys who know it well. It's like, oh, my God, Steph, I forgot I have to off ball screen for Steph right here. So I wouldn't be surprised if like a young mind, it's obviously going to take a lot because you I think you even said like two weeks ago, like imagine if we were at a Warriors practice facility and we got to see some of their sets. Yeah, our our knowledge would be like blown away. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. I feel like like a little side tangent here. If I you know how sometimes the agents when it comes to the draft process, they want to withhold their players medicals because they don't want their player going to a specific team. I think when I was if I was like Wiseman's agent. At the time, you know, not knowing what we know now, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like I would love for my player to go to the Warriors. Look at what they've done with these guys. And now we're at this time. Now they've drafted Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, Baldwin. But I mean, let's just go with the top guys. Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody. After seeing how this has been handled and not I'm not saying it's been handled like this whole time the wrong way. I think it's being handled the wrong way at this moment, but not the whole time. If I'm an agent and the Warriors have another option to get another top guy, I'm like directing my guy away from Golden State. Because not because I don't think he will be a, become a good player. I think them being here is um, not allowing them to get like the best deal they could be get in their first mm-hmm. when they're eligible to get that extension. Because you know, I mean, we always talk about it, but you look at Jalen Green, a guy who's getting the bumps and bruises every single game of being able to just go do whatever the hell he wants. He's like in line for like a crazy contract or a crazy extension when he's eligible. Kaminga's not getting that right. Like there's just no way, even with just how the Warriors contract situation is is looking like right now like he won't get it because of that and two he hasn't been playing like it because he hasn't been able to play he hasn't been able to get those bumps and bruises that it, you need as a rookie that Shaden Sharp's able to get right now you know so if I'm an agent I'm like I don't want the Warriors trying to do this two timeline thing with my player anymore well they kind of in order to get those picks that they did Steph had to get hurt right yeah. he had to get hurt um, and then they just bought him out and then in the second one, they they made that great trade with Minnesota, which enabled them to get that pick. And so those were just like circumstances that this yeah, this won't happen again. This two timeline thing with this group, like it won't happen again. But I'm just like, I mean, they, like, like if if the seasons go well over the next couple seasons, the Warriors will have a pick in the 20s, and and that it'll be more like the Baldwin and the Ryan Rollins thing rather than the coming and the wise yeah, yeah. the Moody thing. So, uh, but. You know, if things don't work out well, then they, they they may have to do this again with an even older team. Okay, a couple couple things. Have you been watching any Damian Lee? Yeah, kind of. I probably caught like four Suns games. He's like the sixth man. D Lee is balling. Like he he doesn't have like <laughs> crazy stats. Like he's not like shooting, like he doesn't shoot that much, but I was like, man, if we had Damian Lee on this Warriors team, like all the stuff would be fixed. He wouldn't. The Suns' offense, I feel like, is like everyone get on the perimeter 
and book's going to try to do something. And if he can't, he's going to kick it to you. And if you don't have the open shot, then you're going to dribble a little bit and kick it back to someone like all those guys on that entire roster, except for like one positions, one through four, except for like, you know, Aiden and Biombo. like you look at them and they're pretty much all guys who can shoot a three and like dribble a little bit. Yep. Right. That's what the Mavericks are struggling with having yep. no other guys. It's who all, can dri- it's all driving kick. Like the Suns have just their whole roster is like you look at Tory Craig, you look at Mikhail Bridges, you look at all these guys. They could essentially Cameron Payne. They could dribble the ball. It's kind of an interesting way because I, I know that's what the OKC Thunder are trying to do right now too. get all guys who could shoot, dribble and pass. I think yeah, it's I, team I building there. is so interesting. So I was doing a little scouting for the for the Bulls and I was like, oh, who'd the Bulls play last? And it was the Suns. And so I was like, oh, wow. And then I realized like, oh, this is a game that book had like 50 points. And so I, was, I watched like two and a half, three quarters of the game. And uh, gosh, their, their offense moved. And this is without CP, right? CP may, may be a little bit more of a ball stopper, but because uh, he likes to play a little bit slower. But, you know, Booker and, and Booker, even though Cameron Payne is the point guard, Booker's kind of running the show and they play fast and they're getting shots up. And they're, you know, Booker is finishing like kind of like how Steph finishes where you're like, is he really going to get to that hole? And then like everything is like a perfect finish and you're sort of surprised when he misses at, at the rim. That's that's what Booker is right now. And he's got that mm-hmm. nice fadeaway. He's got the mid range. He is playing fantastic basketball. And I was like looking at the West because, you know, Brian said the West is wide open. And and I, I do think it is because there's a lot of teams in there that are teams that are have, have been kind of, you know, kind of on the cusp. You know, we talked about the Grizzlies, the Suns themselves, uh, the Denver Nuggets. There's a Pelicans team that's kind of sitting out there and, I know Zion is, you know, not gonna play the next sixty games. He's probably gonna get hurt at some point and miss some time. Jeez, that's just the way his career goes. Like, right? Like, he, you can't—he's not a dependable guy to just go. Okay, he's an Iron Man. He's playing every single game from here on out. He's gonna have a foot. Well, no thing player, gonna... no, really, no star player does. Right? Isn't, I wonder what the average games played for a star player is these days. Like 65, 70? Kevon Looney, man, a star player. <laughs> Maybe I have to say maybe I say superstar because Kevon's a star <laughs> in our book. Uh, but okay, so so let's look at the uh, the West. So Phoenix, well, oh, wait, I think like say? while you were like the reason I think that point is made a lot is because you know I think I said it either in the pod or in our text thread. You know, just a couple days ago, the Warriors are in tenth place, but three games out of first. Right? Yeah. You look at the East, and I don't know it off the top of my head, but I've got to guess that Boston and and um. And Milwaukee have just gained this insane lead among whoever the eighth seed is, right? Like it'd probably take like eight to nine games to get to first. Yeah, unless uh, you have the Boston is eighteen and four. They're they're clearly heads and heads and shoulders above the rest of the teams in the NBA right now. Those two teams, I think, are heads and shoulders. And well, yeah, yeah. The this week. Celtics eighteen and four, Bucks fifteen and five, Phoenix fifteen and six, mm. then the Cavs are fourteen and eight. I. We we saw the Cavs, and you can't just base it off of one game. But I kind of think that uh, the difference between the Celtics and the Cavs are is kind of a, a wide margin at this point. Uh, the Cavs but, beat the Celtics the two times they played each other. I, I know. I almost think what we talked game. about on our pod, and I know we'll get back to the Warriors right here in a second. I almost feel like the Cavs are good matchups against the Bucks and the Celtics. Uh, yeah, because they're so long. 
They're so big. They're, yeah. they're long and they're athletic. And and, and yeah. they have the two really small guards. Like they have the two really small guards and the two insanely huge bigs. Yeah. And they're all they need, I mean, they, really they, and they, they need to be able to shoot, right? If they if they can shoot, uh, there's gonna be some so, some clutch games there where you know butt cheeks get a little tight for a young team. <laughs> they're gonna go through that, right? Like that's just how it works in the NBA. You don't just get to be nothing and then be great. Like you have to go, you have to kind of uh, go through the whole thing. You have uh, to okay. get butt cheeks. You have to get butt cheeks to overcome butt cheeks. You do. You do. Uh, okay. So Phoenix 15 and six nuggets, 14 and seven Pelicans, 13 and eight Memphis, 12 and nine Memphis. I'm, I'm actually kind of disappointed in Memphis. I thought they were going to kind of take control this year and they're still a good team, but they, I know they have guys out a lot. Bane's yeah. been out. Uh, Cl- Clippers 13 and 10 Sacramento who beat the bumps off of the Pacers last night uh 11 and 9 and then you have the Jazz at 13 and 11 you I would expect the Jazz to kind of fall out there uh Mavericks 10 and 10 Warriors 11 and 11 Minnesota 11 and 11 Minnesota actually played well without Cat the other day so that was pretty interesting yep and Portland 11 and 11 uh Oklahoma 9 and 13 Lakers 8 and 12 Spurs 6 and 16 Rockets 5 and 16 okay so I said that to basically say, I think there's something special with this Phoenix team. Mm. And I don't know if it's the fact that they went to the finals two years ago and they were on the cusp, right? Then then Milwaukee came back uh, to win those last two games, I think it was. And then last year, they went through the disappointment of losing to Dallas, right? We were kind of making fun of them because that's the team that we were like secretly scared of, right? Was Was Phoenix. And then they lose to Dallas, and you're like, oh, like maybe they're not as good as we thought. And I feel like this year's Suns team is like back for blood. Uh, they play well without CP. I'm not even, you know, I'm sure he, I'm sure he is good for that team, but I don't know, man. I like the way that they play. Now they were only mm-hmm. playing the Bulls. The Bulls are no great shakes in any way. Uh, but yeah, I like the way that they played and and you know, maybe the West isn't necessarily completely up for grabs. Maybe they are a little bit head and shoulders above the rest. But I look at that team because I'm always looking at like, if I'm the Warriors, who am I worried about playing or who am I scared to play? And I'm scared to play Phoenix. And we saw they beat the crap out of us two times. Um, I know this kind of goes against your point of the teams that haven't really face the butt cheeks yet, but I'd be scared of New Orleans. Well, we haven't seen them because they were on the back end of a back-to-back and in New Orleans, so the Steve Kerr just rested all of his guys. I am I've I've I like a lot of players on that team. I just kind of want to see them uh see them in a big game where things matter against a veteran team and that that mm-hmm. would be the Warriors, right? Because the Warriors are going to slow that game down. And they're going to make it really, you know, a possession important game. But then that's a, that's a another team that I'm looking at as like, wow, like these guys are athletic and they match up really well against the Warriors, but they don't have the, those reps yet. But they're, they're going to be I don't even know if they need to make a move, like because people are saying that they could even make move. I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like their starting lineup. They, they got- I think the Pelicans are a team that excuse my French. I think they can like like. Uh, maybe not excuse my French. I don't think I'm going to cuss here. <laughs> I think they could like beat the crud out of the Warriors, like just like kind of, you know, 
break them down, but the Warriors will eventually win that series, but that'll mm-hmm. make them in worse shape for the next series. I think they're that team because the, you know, they, they did that to the Suns last year. The Suns, I think they went to six um, and the Suns were, you know, that was a hard series for them to pull out and they go and lose to the Mavericks the next series in seven. I feel like that's still kind of the Pelicans way. Maybe they'll win a series, but then they'll rough up those teams for when they go to the next series. They're a little beaten up a little bit. I select their team a lot, though, and they got the Lakers pick this year. Woo! Yeah, that's going to be a good one, probably. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I'm going to rank my three teams in order of how scared I am to play them, and I want to hear yours. I got to pull them off the teams again. I'm not going to have your your, uh, Denver Nuggets in there, by the way. You may be scared of them. I'm not not not. scared of them. All right, number one for me, Phoenix. Number two, Memphis. And number three, I'm sorry. Yeah, number 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 two, Memphis. Number three, New Orleans. And after that, I'm not scared of any of the rest of the teams. Um, I, I'm not. I, I think the Warriors just match up well against Denver, no matter how great Jokic is against them. Mm-hmm. The Clippers, they're they they. How can they create any sort of identity when they can never have a, their full team out there? The Kings are fun, but they're not going to be playing any sort of defense when it matters uh, because, again, they don't have the reps, but they're really fun to watch. Uh, like I said, the Jazz are going downhill. I would actually put the Mavericks probably uh, fourth and, and the Clippers fifth there if we if we made it five. But, yeah, those are my three. Who are your three? Um, I get why you say Phoenix. I just feel like they might be a regular season team. I think that – my whole take on just the NBA, how teams should approach the NBA in general is like, if you're a team that's supposed to be contending and if you fall short um, and you don't at least make it to the finals or win the finals, my whole thing is like, okay, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do in the free agency? Is it, are you going to, you know, push it towards, okay, my team's young. It was their first experience in the playoffs. Like they just need more reps in that environment and they'll get better. Like you could look at the Celtics and say that first time in the finals, maybe they, you know, they added Brogdon, but they didn't really add anything else. That's probably fine for them because now Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have that experience and they might be able to improve off of that. And they're still really young, but for Phoenix, you could semi make the same argument, but CP's aging. Um, DeAndre doesn't want to be there from all we know. I mean, he looks kind of happy now, but he literally signed a deal with another team to not be there. I'm just like, they didn't do anything from, they got worse in my opinion and they look good, but I mean, their regular season record last year, I think the pace at this point, they were probably ahead of their record right now, Um, but they lose JaVale McGee. Jay Crowder's not playing. And this year they got Damian Lee and Chuck Lando, like I just, I don't believe if this team didn't get there last year, I don't see what has changed for them to do it again this year. There were rumblings that at least internally that I think we heard from plus minus or reading an article that the Warriors were secretly like, we know we're going to beat the crud out of this Suns team if they make it here. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know if that's just them saying that because they could say that because the Suns lost and they were just like, well, we don't have to see him. So we might as well just say it. But I believe them. I think that I think that the Warriors are just. I don't know. CP can never get it done against them. That's a thing, right? So I don't know if I'm totally scared of the Suns because I was scared of them last year. And then I see that what they do. And then, you know, they beat us twice this year. I would probably go. I, I, I applaud you for just being continually right about this Clippers team, but I still think that fully healthy, I would just be scared of them. And I know you said they haven't formed an identity, but 
I just Paul George and Kawhi on the same team, and Kawhi's played like what five of twenty games this year. A lot of a lot of people like that team. Charles Barkley still is riding with the Clippers. You know, when you have a Batum and a Powell, uh, guys like that, all the right pieces. I feel like they're just like kind of older. I don't, I don't think they're athletic enough. Yeah, because they're old. (laughs) That's the thing, Covington. Because when we played the Clippers, now obviously. We didn't have they didn't have all their guys and and it's not like we killed them in any way. But you know who's playing really well is uh, Zubach. Yeah. <laughs> oh my he gosh. Is. He is. He had like almost 30 rebounds the other day. <laughs> uh but, I just would yeah, okay. Yeah, go. Sorry. No, but I mean, but you know, he's uh he's a good player. The Warriors would try and figure which Warriors are trying to figure out how to Take you him know, off the ma- t- yeah, and just make or him just less important. Him. Um, but a, a lot of the a lot of their role players are of the guys you don't mind taking a big shot because mm-hmm. they're they're comfortable taking. But I'm not sure you're comfortable with them getting isolated on the perimeter in in late in the game either. So that that's one thing is you know it, it's good to have the depth, but some of it is is, is older depth and and could get. And, you know, they, they could they could get exposed a little bit. But it's okay. So when, yeah, when healthy, are you saying I that they're of, your number one? They would probably be my number one when healthy. I just think of them as like the way the Memphis Grizzlies made us feel uncomfortable by their defense, made the offense feel uncomfortable. I think the Clippers could replicate that. And the Clippers have the steady offense with those two guys to take the shots. Like I would just be scared of them the most. I think the Warriors could get it done, but I think they would be my number one. Um. I'd probably go I'll go Phoenix 2 Memphis 3. I like it. All right. Uh we'll just we'll just we're 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 uh we'll we'll get out of here at, at this uh right now but I just, I wanted to run not that I need to run this by you because I think you already laughed at it but uh Bill Simmons said the Warriors should go after Caruso, Alex Caruso because the Bulls uh, are are not playing well. They're probably not going to get Lonzo back. They are, what is their record here? The Bulls are currently nine and twelve. Um, and the Warriors they come into town tomorrow, so the Warriors play the Bulls tomorrow. And watching that Phoenix game, I think the Warriors should be able to do a lot of the same stuff that that Phoenix did, was just continuously moving and and creating good shots and you know. Rosen's getting pissed off at guys for not getting back on defense and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, um, who's their center? Vucevic. Vucevic, just a bad fit. If I was the bull, if I was bulls fans, I'd be so mad. I'd rather have Wendell Carter. Like Wendell Carter Mm -hmm. fits better in basketball today than, and and I said that when they traded for him, I was like, Nope, that's not the right move. Carter's going to be better. Profit you. Look at you. Uh, Cuz I I have, a, I have a Bulls uh fan friend yeah. who we were in a text thing and I was like I've seen what the Warriors do to Vucevic. Vucevic is going to get his points and his rebounds. He's just 20 points, 10 rebounds. That's just his game. And then the Warriors just run circles around him on offense. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I like it's just not it's just not how how you win today. So uh so I I think the Warriors should do should do well tomorrow night as long as they come out and you know play their A game or even their B plus game. I think they should handle them pretty well. Um, but uh, gosh, what was what was my oh Caruso. Caruso? So 
Alex Caruso, he's not going to light it up on uh, on the scoreboard, right? He's only averaging six points a game. Uh, he, he's a smart player, makes smart passes. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a good steal rate as far as taking the ball from their team. Good defensive player. He would kind of fit the GP2 mold uh, without, which is an important part of this, uh, without the the dunker spot, right? Because that was also what made GP two valuable. Caruso but he does, yeah. He's kind of an well. athlete, I thought. Yeah, but not as well, right? Like, yeah, not as well. He, he's because that was what made GP sort of unique. Is yeah, just this amazing ability to uh, to just rise like so quickly. So Caruso makes about nine million dollars a year. Uh, so if the Warriors would trade for him, they would have to make those salaries salaries match. Uh, but you're not a fan of this. You don't think that Caruso is a good enough player for the Warriors to go, hey, you know, we got Moses Moody. You'd have Caruso for this year and the following two years, I believe, is what his contract is. Are you looking that up? No, that's what it is. Yeah, this year okay, and okay. Then two more years. So, so just to, to let everyone know, the... The trade proposal you're referring to is from the Bill Simmons podcast, and Bill yes. said that the Warriors should trade for Caruso and trade Moses Moody and Dante DiVincenzo. Yes. I think that another very small side tangent, I think Bill's 100% correct on the whole Bulls thing. The Bulls own their pick, top four protected, so if they you know end up with the fifth pick, I think who gets it? Oh, the Magic. God, what a trade. <laughs> the Bulls have no the Bulls have like no real aspirations, even when healthy, that like I think they could even be a contending team. So I'm with Bill and like blow it up, get rid of Damar, get rid of Vucevic if you can, and just see how much assets you can get. Sell, sell high on DeRozan for what he did last year. He's probably gonna fetch you a decent amount. So I I I would totally do what he's doing and do what he said to do and, and just blow it up. But with Moses Moody, it's just like I'm just, I just have an attachment, man. I, ha- I, yeah. I see what he could be, and I think what he could be combined with... I think what he could be is better for this team in the long run than what Caruso could be right now. Because I think, I think Caruso is excellent. I think that he brings a similar isolation defender that GP2 was. I think GP2 was the better, like, okay, stick him on a guard and that guard's like going to have a really tough night. I think Caruso's like that too, but just to a smaller extent. I think Caruso's better at the team defender playing the passing lanes better than GP2 did. GP2 is kind of just like, just throw him on the guy. That guy's going to have a really tough night. Yeah. And that'll be it. I think Kaminga is like kind of coming into that role. Kaminga is someone who I think can guard one through four, has a tough time on some fives, most fives, and I think he could play that GP2 role, which is like stick him on a guy, play the dunker spot. Like, I, I honestly think that could be Kaminga's role. So I think Kaminga taking the GP2 role and Moses Moody becoming into this 3 and D guy that I think he could be, that package is better in the long term than Caruso and Kaminga kind of playing the GP2 role. If that so makes I think sense. the risk here is that in two years, Moses Moody is... Uh, Somebody who you you want on an eight man rotation, on a, right? On a championship team, I think Moses Moody's skill set and who he could be in two years is definitely like seventh or eighth at the very least. The, re- the reason why I think it's an interesting trade is because while that risk exists, the flip side 
is you have DiVincenzo on this one year 4.5. You're losing DiVincenzo anyways, right? He's yeah. you're not not bringing him back. So you'd get Caruso for this year plus two more years. He's in the rotation. He's he's in the rotation with Jordan Poole, with Kaminga, with Draymond, and whoever that net other player is, whether it's Anthony Lamb or whether it's um, uh, Jamichael or, or, or whomever. And you solidify that second unit, even if it's by inches, right? That second unit just becomes tighter. It defends better. And thus, you give this current team this year the better chance to win win ball games, and you're risking what happens to Moody in two or three years, and if then he blossoms and 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 you lose him, so that's yeah. I the mean, risk. If that's the mindset, and that if that's the mindset, and I don't disagree with that mindset, then boom, Wiseman for Jakob Purtle, straight up, boom, <laughs> uh, Moody and Divincenzo for Caruso, boom, Kaminga for name a guy. Like I'm sure is there's Jakob, someone can, is Jakob Purtle gonna stay on the floor in in a big game? I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We actually talked about it on our podcast too. Wiseman for Pirtle. Uh I I just think that, you know, I actually, um, your guy Ethan Strauss was talking to Sam from Light Years on a podcast. Oh yeah, I've been listening to that. Is I've been I've been listening to it. It's pretty good so far. Um, you know, they're talking about what is it, the sunk cost fa- fallacy? Yeah. Uh, on how like even TK, like my guy TK, man, me and him have just been. Right in the development guys, you know, <laughs> we'd love those guys. TK kicked the tires on Wiseman, man. He did it right in front of our own eyes on the Warriors plus minus pod. And, and they're kind of bringing that up on Ethan's pod. Uh-huh. And I just am not ready to kick the tires when I think that Wiseman's value right now, like they're kind of saying dish him now. I'm thinking that he can, I think his value is at an all time low. I think there's a chance it can go up. And if you want to do it, then, then do it. But I'm just still like, don't want to entirely kick the tires. Yeah. But, on, and they I, think, they think that it could actually get worse, right? Like that's kind of, I think their... they do think that. Yeah. I, I, and I just think that, I think that in, in the big, in, like, I think Wiseman and Kaminga's value were probably better going into the season than it, not Wiseman. Oh, yeah. Kaminga and Moody's value oh, yeah. even oh, yeah. were better. So, like, I just don't, I don't like selling low, I guess. Yeah, if you do sell Wiseman right now, you are selling low 100%. Like, if we're talking about Wiseman for Jakob Pertl straight up, and, like, Jakob Pertl's the better player, but, like, Jakob Pertl's an unrestricted free agent, you know, like, I just, that's just, like, the ultimate sell, you know, versus what it was going into this year or even last year. That's, like, selling a dollar to, like... Well, you know who's also a free agent? Big Jim in, in two years. Yeah. So that that's also another because they've already picked up Wiseman. They, did they pick him up for this year or next year? I don't remember next how that year. Worked. Okay, so twelve point nine next year, right? And Tim and Marcus and Anthony are saying that that's a seven or eight times multiplier. <laughs> that's why they think they should need. I don't know if you kind of heard plus minus, but they were saying that Tim thinks it's inevitable that they're getting rid of him because he's realizing if you keep Wiseman, you can't keep Draymond. Is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So like they're realizing now, like this can't be the end of Draymond on the Warriors. Like he's just too good and he's too important to this team moving forward. So I think they think Wiseman's just like the oddball out because of it. Yeah, that is, that is going to be an interesting negotiation because <laughs> someone got the cameras rolling for this documentary. Is, is Draymond's like, this is gonna feelings going to be hurt. That's, that's my thing. Um, all right. So uh, yeah, we're done. I know we went a little bit over time, but we, we were talking a lot Mavs and, and uh, so that that's why, but uh, yeah, so Warriors play, Chicago and Houston this weekend. 
I'm guessing they're not going to play everyone on the back-to-back against Houston. Oh, it's a back-to-back. So, so that game could get funky. I think it's Friday, Saturday, uh, uh, Friday, Saturday um, at home uh, for the Warriors. And let's see. What is what is what will show what will show if these if this Warriors team is back is if they they load the front end on the back-to-back play everyone mm-hmm. back-to-back clay Wiggins. Steph Draymond sits and they win it. Like if they win that game, you know, like they did last year against the Spurs, like the boys are back. Yeah, because so it's it's uh, Friday against the Bulls, seven o'clock. Saturday at five thirty against the Rockets. Mm. You could you could probably find half decent ticket for that game. I'm I'm going to imagine on a Saturday night. It, it's not here though, is it? Uh, yes, it is. Is is it Chase? It is at Chase. Okay. The, their next three games are at Chase, and then Monday, Pacers. That's another game that you can probably yeah, get a half all ticket to. So, uh, yeah, should be that. I mean, should be three wins, but that Rockets game on the back to back, they may just completely uh, lose that one and and make sure that they're ready for the Pacers. Uh, the Pacers are still twelve and nine. So even though yeah, they, they got they killed by uh, Sacramento, they're still twelve and nine. And I mean, the Warriors have what lost one game at home, like against Denver in the beginning of the season. Like, have they lost another game at home since? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, they. I think, they I think they're the just Rockets. the one. All right. So, uh, what else on the Bam this week? Uh, just good guy stuff. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> That means I just couldn't think of anything on the top right there. We we put out a pod yesterday. Ben Simmons resurgence, James Wiseman a little bit, and then like Tyrese Halliburton revisiting that trade because they played yesterday. Good stuff. We'll record again on Sunday. All right. So we're done here. We'll be back next week with uh, hopefully some, some W's. I want to see this team kind of get some space between the uh, the wins and the losses on the records here. So... Uh, All right, so for me uh, and Brian, uh, we'll see you when we see you next week. Peace out.